0: Gracious Father, we thank you today that Thou art a great and wonderful God. We thank you for the light of the world who is Jesus. We thank you that, Father, you have shone in our hearts as we know you as our Savior. And Lord, we've been saved because of your grace, and we thank you for that. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of studying it together. And Lord, today, as we open up the page of your word, we pray that you give us understanding you might uh, challenge us through your word that lord we might exalt you this day we might learn from you and that father you would speak to us we pray lord uh, as ever uh, i pray that you give me wisdom from on high but lord i would say only that which you would have me to say and that today your word would be a blessing to our hearts as we started together lord just guide now our time as we ask in jesus name Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2, we are, we are transported, if you like, into God's courtroom. And as we arrive in that courtroom, we have observed the first defendant in chapter 1 has been brought before the judge. He is the heathen sinner. The defense has stood and spoken briefly at the beginning of this trial, declaring that the heathen sinner is not guilty because he never heard of God. And since he never knew God, he made idols of wood and stone and worshipped the creature instead of the creator. And surely that is sufficient, for he has done his best. The prosecution then rises and disagrees with the defense and accuses mankind of being guilty and declaring that ignorance is no excuse for his failure. Turn to God. So hence he declares in verse 20 that they are without excuse. And then the prosecution calls two witnesses to prove his point. He called, first of all, the whole creation of God, which we saw uh, two sermons ago. And then, secondly, he called the refusal of the knowledge of God in verses 21 to 28. Because mankind refused to retain God in their knowledge, mankind started down a pathway of depravity. And the last time we saw the first step downwards was the step of ignorance in verses 21 to 23. Man knew God, but he chose not to know Him, and he chose not to honor Him as God. And therefore, mankind is indeed without excuse now today we come to the second and the third steps downward for mankind the second step is the step of indulgence in verses 24 to 28 verse 24 says wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves From adultery to immorality is just one short step. For if you are your own God, then you can do as you please. If you are your own God, you can act in any way you like. If you are your own God, there is no one that you're accountable to for your behavior except yourself, and therefore you can fulfill all your desires without any fear of judgment or retribution because you are your God. You know, originally man was chaste. But when man cast off God, his animal passions were unchanged, unchained. And wickedness followed on behind. Because man has rejected God, we're told that God gave them up. In verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up. In other words, if they don't want God, if they don't want to believe in Him, if they don't want to accept Him, if they don't want to worship Him, then He will let man go it alone and suffer the consequences. God said, fair enough, you don't want me? Well, then do your own thing. If you don't want to worship me, then I'll give you up. I'll just let you go and fulfill your own passions in his righteous wrath and judgment God gives man up to sin God gives man up to our evil heart's desire allowing us to experience the self-destructive path upon which mankind finds itself that path is a result of sin. You know, sin has consequences. Sin does have a payday. The wage of sin is death, and sin does have consequences. And God gave men up to their sinful practice, their heart's desire, and it has consequences. This phrase, that God gave them up, is so important that Paul mentions it three times in this passage. In verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Verse 26, For this cause God gave them up under vile affections. Verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Here is the condemnation, the judgment upon God. They refuse God, so God gives them up. And it's mentioned three times. Man has willingly rejected God. So God now will give man up to his desires, give man up to his vile affections, give man up to his corrupted mind, give man up to do whatever man wants to do, to do whatever pleases him. But man needs to be aware he will have to suffer the consequences of his sin. Now, Romans chapter 1 and verse 24 refers to a combination of sexual immorality and idolatrous worship. That idolatry, the rejection of God, leads to immorality. That is, from idolatry sprang sensuality. That's what he says in verse 24. Wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Because they worship the creature rather than the Creator. God gives them up to uncleanness and sensuality as a result of their idolatry. With verse 24, what we have is the beginning of a passage where Paul describes... The sin and corruption of the pagan world with amazing directness. In fact, the language in Romans chapter 1, verses 24 to 32, uh, sorry, 24 to 28 is so direct that Spurgeon thought this passage unfit for public reading. Spurgeon said this: He said, the first chapter of the epistle to the Romans is a dreadful portion of the Word of God. I should hardly like to read it all through aloud is not intended to be so used for it, it read it at home and be startled at the awful vices of the gentile world that's a graphic this passage of scripture is and in romans chapter 1 verses 26 to 28 we have for us the results of idolatry which is nothing more than self-indulgence for this cause god gave them up under vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, buried, uh, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which is meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind to those things which are not convenient. We have here the result of their idolatry, which is self indulgence, doing whatever they please. And we need to understand that this is God's infliction of punishment for the sin of idolatry. Verse 26 says this For this cause God gave them up to vile affections. For which cause? Because they changed. The glory of the uncorruptible God into an image, verse 23, made like unto corruptible man, and to birds of four footed beasts and creeping things. And because, uh, wherefore, God also called them up, uh, so gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, dishonor their own bodies between themselves, because they changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Because of that reason, because they've turned to idolatry, God has indeed punished them. And he's punished them by this wickedness. He punished one sin by the imposition of another sin. They refuse to worship God. So God says, fine, if you want to enact that sin, then I'll allow you to do whatever you want to do. Just keep on sinning. The reason is given in verse 25. Because they changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. They changed the truth of God into a lie. You know, they didn't change a lie into truth. Man's cause was in the other direction. They didn't take a lie and make it into truth. They took the truth, the truth of God's word, the truth that they knew, the truth that was instilled in them. They took that truth and they turned into a lie. They would rather believe in evolution than believe in God. They'd rather believe in an idol than believe in the true and living God. They'd rather believe in something other than God. So mankind turns his back upon God. That's the cause of the vileness. His description we have here is that man wants to be his own God, and the result is... Wickedness. If God is not God, then the result will be immorality and sin. He worships self, he serves self instead of serving God, so God gives them up. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, this god cause God gave them unto vile affection. You know, every rebellion and disobedience against God, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. A lie of our own choosing. And we set the creature before the Creator. Anytime you rebel against God, anytime you are disobedient to God, you're setting yourself up and setting the creature up above the Creator. You know, it's true of us as believers. We have trouble here, don't we? with worshipping self rather than worshipping God that's why so often in the New Testament you and I are challenged to die to self that you and I are challenged to put self on the cross that you and I are challenged to put Christ first that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because this is the struggle of the human heart We, we, we have this same struggle too often we are on the throne of our lives not God. And there are consequences for us as believers when you and I put ourselves on the throne and we don't put God upon the throne and you and I start to live according to our selfish Desires the consequences that you and I are living in disobedience to the Creator, and you and I are serving the creature more than the Creator, and it has consequences. You and I find ourselves at a fellowship with God, you and I find ourselves outside the blessings of God, and you and I often find ourselves under the chastening hand of Almighty God. So even for those of us who are saved, it's a struggle, isn't it? If we're honest with ourselves, all of us, me included, the struggle we have is the struggle with ourselves, our flesh, and our relationship to God. And we struggle not to walk fleshly. I mean, how many of us this week can honestly say, not once this week did I walk in the flesh. Not once this week did I uh, put myself on the throne and choose to do what I want, but in every decision I made this week, I did exactly what God wanted me to do. He was on the throne, he was in charge, and there was nothing this week that I have to confess before Almighty God, for I did not sin. <laughs> None of us. And the day that you and I sinned was the day that we took God off the throne, put ourselves on the throne, and we did what we pleased. And there's consequence to that. Now, we as believers struggle with that, as we as believers struggle with the whole thing, and we know God... The world that rejects God, is it any surprise that they behave the way they behave? And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's speaking about the unsaved. And in verse 25, where we read, who changed the truth of God into a lie, Paul uses the definite article here. Instead of a lie, it's the lie. The lie is essentially idolatry. That's the whole context of this passage, which puts us in the place of God. And it's the lie because isn't that the lie that Satan told to Eve in Genesis chapter three and verse five? You know, in the day that thou eatest art, thou shalt not surely die, but thou shalt be as gods. You know both good and evil. That's the lie. Ye shall be as gods. That's the lie that the devil has peddled ever since the Garden of Eden. It's the lie that he's peddled throughout history. It's the lie that mankind has bought. It's the lie that even civilized societies who know scientific fact have swallowed. That somehow man is in charge of his own destiny. He is his own God. It's the lie. Mankind took the truth of God, which he gave them, and perverted it into a falsehood of idol worship. And for that reason, God gave them up to vile affections. Verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. Now we need to put this in context. Paul wrote this letter to Rome from the city of Corinth. In the city of Corinth, you had on display every sort of sexual immorality and ritualistic prostitution that you can imagine. If you go to Corinth, uh, Corinth was a wicked, wicked city, a city that was filled with all sorts of of immorality and and vices you can imagine. So as Paul writes, Romans chapter 1, these things are very real to him He can see before his very eyes the very wickedness that he's talking about. And to illustrate his point, to illustrate the point that how vile man becomes when man rejects God, Paul mentions in verses 26 and 7 a vile rampant sin of his day that is just as rampant today. And it's not politically correct to mention it today. But it's the sin of homosexuality. And verses 26 and 27 are explicit. Notice what it says. For this cause God gave them up under vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use to that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burn in their lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Paul uses homosexuality, both male and female, an example of God giving them up to uncleanness. God gave them up to vile affections. And what is the evidence of those vile affections? What's the evidence? What's the result of idolatry? What's the result of taking God off the throne and and not acknowledging God? Ultimately, it is this wicked, sinful behavior. Women with women, men with men. Paul calls it vile. In the lust of their hearts, they dishonor their bodies among themselves. It's interesting, Paul doesn't even use the normal words for man and woman in this context. He uses different Greek words. He uses words for male and female, which categorize or describe uh, them in a sense which is sexuality outside of the human terms, outside of human dignity. He doesn't use words that exalt the man as a man and the woman as a woman, but he uses them in a derogatory way, saying that these men and these women are living outside of human dignity. They're living against nature. Because that's what he says. He says that they, the women have changed the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise the men... Leaving the natural use. They've gone against nature. They've gone against what God ordained. When God created man and woman in the Garden of Eden, He created them male and female. He created them man and woman. He didn't create them man and man and woman and woman. God created one man, one woman they were to be united for life. Paul categorizes the whole section on the vile affections. The word affections is passions, unholy and unhealthy passions. You know, Paul lived in a culture that openly approved of homosexuality. The Roman Empire was rampant with it. It, 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 was, it was all the way from the Caesars right on down, it was accepted. It was it was seen as being part of the normal behavior of life. And Paul didn't write in a, to a culture that agreed with him. You've got to understand this. When Paul's writing this, he's not writing to a culture that agrees with him. Paul wrote to a culture where these vile sins were accepted as part of life for both men and women. Sounds rather familiar, doesn't it? We live today in a society where this is accepted as normal. And, you know, today this could be called hate speech. It's the kind of stuff you can get arrested for. And Paul in his day was standing up In a society that accepted it and he's preaching against it because God says it's vile. Now, Paul doesn't hate the people, nor do we hate the people. It's the sin that's vile, not the people. The people are sinners in need of a savior. They need to see their need of the savior, they need the love of God to be shed abroad in their hearts that they might be saved. We don't hate the individual. It's the sin that's vile. Paul writes in society, which just doesn't see it that way. You know, the word of God says it's vile, it's unnatural, it's against nature. You know, God doesn't call this a lifestyle choice. God calls it vile. so today, human nature, so as today, human nature was on display for all to see in all its violence. And you know, whatever morality there is in the world today is due not to human nature, but it's due to the restraining power of Almighty God. Because if God removed His, His restraining power, who knows what wickedness would ensue. You know, we should not be surprised by the state of our country. Because, you know, when man rejects God, all forms of vile sin and wickedness will be accepted. Now, we should be, we should be, we should be uh, annoyed. We should be uh, grieved. You and I should not like what's going on, but we shouldn't be surprised. You know, the, the same-sex marriage vote should not have surprised us for we live in a secular society. We live in a society that has rejected God. We don't live in a Christian society. We live in a society that's rejected God, and if they reject God, all forms of vile sin and wickedness will ensue. You know, and you and I can jump up and down and be, be all bent out of shape by it all, but we shouldn't be surprised. And if the Lord tarries, you and I might well have a few more shocks come by our way before the rapture, because sin is rampant because man has rejected God. Whenever man does not want to accept God to be God, and wants to accept something like evolution to be the means by which we got here, don't be surprised by the behavior of the unsaved. Be thankful for the restraining power of God that keeps us be a whole lot worse i know that's hard to believe but remember it says as in the days of noah so shall be in the days of the coming of the son of man and that's reference to the second coming after seven years tribulation so if you think it's bad now if the rapture happened today there's seven more years of wickedness to ensue without the restraining hand of god upon the world because the church will be gone I don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the tribulation, the wickedness of man without the restraining hand of God. If we think it's bad now, what's it going to be like in seven years from now? And by the way, what will it be like between now and when the Lord does return? But it shouldn't surprise us. Because Paul tells us, the Lord tells us here in Romans chapter 1, he gave man up. He gave them up under uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And God gave them up to vile affections because they wanted nothing to do with Him. If man continually refuses God, God will give them up to do as they please. Permit them to live as they want and reap the consequences. Look at the end of verse 27. It says, in receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet, there's a price to pay for their wickedness. They will receive to themselves a just recompense of reward. God abandoned them. God will give them up if they'll not turn to him. Man may reject God today and he may live as he pleases, but you know, one day, because of that rejection, they will be condemned for eternity. What the world needs today, beloved, is Jesus. The only solution to man's sin, to man's vile behavior, is Jesus Christ. No form of education, no form of anything else is going to change the way man behaves. The only way to change man is Jesus Christ. If people see Christ and they see they need the Savior, and they get saved, they will then change, for there will be new creatures in Christ. All things will pass away. Behold, all things will become new, but they need the Savior. That's why you and I must resolutely stand for righteousness and go forth to the gospel of Jesus Christ and tell them that Jesus died for them. For it's the only way. There's one more step downward. The third step is the step of impenitence. Verse 28, When they did not like to retain God in their knowledge God gave them over to reprobate mind to those things which are not convenient when men began to feel the consequence of sin you would think that he would turn to God but the opposite is true he's impenitent or he is unrepentant instead of man turning to God in the midst of the violence of the sin and the consequence of the sin and all the things that that brings upon mankind at the end of the day you would think that man would turn to God but no man instead turns his back more upon God Still in the tribulation don't you you know God, sends out his judgment of the tribulation he pours out judgment upon the world and instead of man turning to god you see mankind they're shaking their fist at god saying how dare you and that's really what man is doing today all the wickedness and all the trouble in the world and you you just listen to the news in fact uh, we were in victoria listen to the victorian news and i that state is a a mess down there. I I couldn't believe, we could not believe every night on the news how many murders there were, how many stabbings there were, how many house invasions there were, how many things were going on. You know, it's just item after item after item after item. Just wickedness. And that state is probably one of them, is the most liberal state in in, in the sense of, liberal in the sense of politics, not liberal and labor, but, you know, liberal allowing things to be allowed it's the state within, you know that's imposed upon all the schools, the uh, the, uh, uh, the safe schools program, and uh, you know, and, and supposedly you know this Labour government has it all worked out that if you just do all these things, you'll have such uh, beauty and wonder in the state, and yet it's the state with the most trouble because there's so much wickedness because they they are so much turned their back upon God and His Word. And there is a consequence to it. And you would think that when they see all this dire state that their state's in, that it would cause people to turn to God. It doesn't cause them to turn further away. Why? Because as God says, because they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. To those things which are not convenient. God has abandoned them because they abandoned God. Men did not retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over, it says, to a reprobate or a depraved mind. So this is further judgment upon them. God gives them over to a a, a depraved, to a debased mind. So the things that are disgraceful and things that are sickening are readily accepted and approved. The Andrews government uh, wants to bring in in Victoria, wants to bring in that you can choose your gender multiple times, you know. So today I'm a man, tomorrow I'm a woman, today I'm a man, tomorrow I'm a woman. And wants to have just a, a unisex toilets all over the country, in all the schools, everything else, uh, to let people choose what identity they are. To have children uh, analyze and uh, determine what sex they want to be. Uh, whether or not the parents approve of that. Because this is what you have in a liberal society, a society that turns its back upon God. They have a depraved mind, depraved thinking, and you listen to our politicians, you listen to what they're saying, and they have a depraved mind. They have a depraved way of thinking. They're not thinking godly, they're thinking wickedly. Why? Because God gave them over to a depraved mind. The word reprobate meant originally that which has not stood the test. It was used of coins that were substandard and therefore rejected. And since man did not approve to know God, he came to have an unapproved mind, a mind which God does not approve of. Rebellion against God is not only displayed in actions but in thinking. I love this phrase. I read this this week. Man is genuinely, spiritually insane in his rebellion against God. There is an insanity about it. You listen to some of the laws that some of these politicians want to enact, and they're insane. We're worried about our children. Child protection is the big thing, but we want to have unisex toilets Whereby men can walk into toilets with young girls because he says, Today I'm a woman. And yet we care about our children. That's insane. That's what happens when you turn your back upon God. (laughs) And then in Romans chapter 1, verse 29 to 31, Paul names 24 specific sins. Which are present today? Look at them. It says, being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, deceit, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despicable, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Sounds like a list of behaviours today and this list is not pretty but it stands as a vivid portrayal of the depth to which a God rejected man will go here he gives contrary examples of the things which are not fitting notice how socially acceptable sins such as covetousness envy and pride are included alongside socially unacceptable sins murder being unloving, etc., because they're all sin. Because mankind has turned his back upon God, God, even though uh, sorry, turned his back upon God. Even though they knew God, now in their thinking is clouded. A man today accepts the unacceptable, but it gets worse. Because in verse thirty-two we read this: "Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them." They not only commit the sin, but they encourage others to do the same. They applaud those sins. And that's happening all around us. Sin is accepted. Righteousness is unacceptable. In fact, righteousness is ridicule, And sin is accepted as the norm. And what we see in our society is a reality of these truths. Man has rejected God. God, and uh, uh, rather, directed God and turned to the worship of idols. They're worshipping the creature more than the creator. And all sorts of sin are the result of God giving men over to their own lusts and to a reprobate mind. And that's why, beloved, you and I must go and tell them of God's love. They'll not get saved, nothing will change unless we have a passion souls and souls get saved Paul concludes his case against the heathen sinner by once again declaring he's without excuse guilty and worthy of punishment in verse 32 who know in the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death there's a consequence their sin they're guilty and punishment the wage of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our Lord. how far man fell he began by glorifying god and ended exchanging his glory for idols he began knowing god but ended lower than the beasts and the insects because he worshipped them as God the verdict is that they were that excuse there is a desperate need therefore for you and I today to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to lost the dying world there is a need now as a greater need than ever for missionaries to go forth to the mission field but they are few and far between there's not a lot of young people volunteering for the mission field anymore But missions is still vital if people are to be saved. We still need young men to volunteer for the ministry. If we're going to equip and train others to serve the Lord and reach out so souls might be saved. And you and I need to have a passion for souls because that's the only solution to man's dire state is Jesus Christ. Trust that you and I will pray for opportunities to share the gospel and that you and I will have the boldness to take those opportunities so that souls might be turned from darkness unto light by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we do indeed thank you for your word today. Even though, Father, this passage is a very dark passage very difficult passage to talk about. Lord God, it certainly is a reflection of the society in which we live. When men turn their back upon God and worship the creature more than the creator, all forms of vile sin and thinking are the result. Lord, give us a passion for soul. Give us wisdom, Father God, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that we meet. Give us opportunities and give us boldness so that people might see you and be saved. Lord, we'd love to see our politicians saved. But what a difference would make if they knew you. So, Father, would you pray for them and their salvation. Pray that, Father God, you commend your word to our hearts today. In Jesus' name.